What's up, y'all? Welcome to another Fervent Online Experience. My name is Pastor Mike, lead pastor of Fervent Church, and I'm here to say, what's up? <laughs> I hope that you're ready. I hope that you're excited. That's the highest pitch you're going to get out of me uh, today. Uh, but today we're starting a brand new series. And just to remind you, we do things in the series because like, I don't want to talk your ear off every Sunday morning. So we hit you with series so that we could break it down in ways that you can eat it up, you can let it marinate throughout the week, and you can come back, learn more. And in this brand new series, we titled it A New Era. You want to know why? Because if you're anything like me, folks, um, we have to uh, get ready for the new. We've been saying it for a while that we're never going to be, we're never going to go back to normal. There's going to be a new normal. Have you heard this phrase before? A new normal. And I want to prepare you for that new normal, a new era. And when I say a new era, it's a new, it's a, it's a marker in time that dictates that this is going to be something new and fresh. And so we're not going to go back to normal. We're just not after this pandemic. So I want us to be ready for a new era. And if you're anything like, like some of the people that I've been talking to, um, and, and if you're anything like me, actually, <laughs> um, you hold on to nostalgia because it feels good just to break away from reality sometimes. This summer has been a weird summer, hasn't it? Like we haven't been able to go places. In fact, last weekend, um, believe it or not, I felt a little bit of nostalgia. We went to Maryland and we got to partake in indoor dining. Y'all remember indoor dining? All my New Jersey people, you remember that? Um, we, we did some indoor dining, which was strange. And don't worry, we're, our tables were far apart from other people. And, and we got to eat at Redstone. I know we could have picked a restaurant that wasn't you know, a restaurant that we have in New Jersey. But we were at the harbor in Maryland, and we, we had some Redstone. And, and it was strange, but it was nostalgic. And, and if I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you, this whole summer, I held on to nostalgia. You know, that feeling of the past and the feeling of the good old days. And... And uh, I remember waking up on Saturdays. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Um, like, I could sleep in on a Monday. I could sleep in on a Tuesday. For some strange reason, I wake up early on Saturdays. And I would go, hey, Google, play some Motown music. Because I want to feel some nostalgia. Come on. Anybody watching from home right now, if you have a Google Home, it's going crazy. And it's playing some Smokey Robinson or something like that. Sorry about that. But I don't want to leave Alexa out. So, hey, Alexa, play some Motown music. And now everybody hates me. But... That's what I used to do. I used to tell, all right, Google, play me some Motown music, because I remember it brought me back. That's what nostalgia does. It brings you back to the good old feelings. I remember waking up when I was a kid, waking up on Saturday morning to watch Saturday morning cartoons. Y'all know nothing about that, right? I'm talking about the Muppets. I'm talking about Fraggle Rocks, Smurfs. I'm talking about Popeye, Looney Tunes, Saturday morning cartoons cartoons. Come on, can I get an amen in the chat, right? Who remembers that? And so we used to wake up for that. And after Saturday morning cartoons, my mom would just put on some Motown, the records, the records, because we didn't have Google or Alexa back then. She pulled out the records, right? And I remember even the records made me feel nostalgic because like, I, I'm not that old that all they had was records. They had cassette tapes at the time and that kind of stuff. But no, we didn't want cassette tapes. We put on the records of some Motown stuff. And, and I remember cleaning the house, listening to music. And so sometimes in the summertime, I would throw that stuff on just to feel that nostalgia, just to feel good and hold on to what we call the good old days. But guess what, folks? We can't go back there. You cannot jump into DeLorean and go back to the good old days. We are in a new era. And we need to be positive about this new era because here's why. One of the other things I remember, and I want you to remember, uh, I want to talk to some of the people who, 
who have attended Fervent for a, a little bit now. And let me ask you this question. When was the last time you had a powerful encounter with God? When was the last time you had a powerful encounter with God? I want you to think about that. And I know for me, like, I could go back to specific moments. You know, even as a young child uh, or a teenager even, I had some really strong, powerful God moments. Just me and God. I remember in my, I could tell you what songs were playing in the background. I could tell you, you know, where I was. I remember one of the first moments of really having a powerful moment with God as I remember I was just dealing with some emotions. And I just remember getting on my knees, listening to, to worship music. Come on, I had an Iowa a speaker system in my room with the six CD changer. Come on, I'm bringing some memories back, right? Y'all don't know nothing about no six CD changer, right? And and I remember listening. I could tell you what song it was, but I remember crying out for the before God and 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 just praying adamantly. And just I remember being on the floor. I remember journaling. I remember pouring my heart out to God and tangibly feeling that God was present with me. Tangibly feeling it. I can remember those moments. And, and in that, it, it, those moments, this just gave me a taste of who God is. And I remember going out, coming out of those moments saying, I want more. So those who, who have attended Forever Church, can you remember your powerful encounters with God? I believe that's the difference maker. I mean, like so many times we try to argue with people about certain scripture and that kind of stuff. And trust me, I hold scripture at a high regard. Scripture is still sacred. But, but no one could argue with you about your true experiences with God. And so if you have those, can you just think about it for a second? And how, how long ago was that moment? That moment that we could, maybe you have declared those moments that those were the good old days. Maybe they were in a church service. Maybe they were at home like myself. Maybe they were with people um, outside of church building. That's all great. And those are great moments. But they left you wanting more. And as we go into this new era of fervent church, new era of the church, new era of society even, we have to be willing to say, okay, if I want more of God, come on. Who's writing this down? If I want more of God, then I need to experience different angles of who he is. If I want more of God, because I can't just limit it to the good old days. That's not fair to God and it's not fair to us. So when we're talking about the new era, that's what we're talking about. And so God wants to do some new things. We're going to experience some new things. But here's the problem, folks. New scares the crap out of us. It does. Why? Because new, I can't apply my wisdom to new because it's uncharted territory. New scares us because I'm not in control of the new. I can control the old because I know what to expect, right? New, new requires us to, to, to get rid of the expert inside of us and to awaken the student inside of us. And so that's why new scares us. And so because of the good old days that we have, and this is, this is the part that I want to challenge us in this series, is that because of the good old days that we have, we become protective of the good old days. Watch this. We become protective of the old. And when you are protective of the old, the new seems like a threat. The new seems like a threat. And so in this series, that's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover um, this the story of Jesus and how he was trying to introduce the new throughout his recorded history that we find in Scripture. In fact, let's just go there, Matthew chapter 5. 
And so if you're new with us today, um, you know, the, the Bible split into two series of books. There's 66 books total. Um, and, and there's the Old Testament or what we would call the Jewish Bible. Um, so the Jewish Bible is a part of our Bible. And then you have the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus and the early church moving forward. And so Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So if you open up your book in half, the last book of the Old Testament is, is uh, Malachi. And the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. So Matthew uh, chapter 5. Um, Jesus starts saying something. So he's, he's preaching. My man's preaching. My man's bringing it, right? He's bringing it on a Sunday morning. And notice he kept saying this phrase that I think that he was subtly trying to impart into the audience that, hey, get ready for the new era. All right. And so, you know, it's a good Sunday when I brought my physical Bible with me. Hello. All right. Not the glowing ones. All right. But what is this? Verse 17. He says this. Notice the pattern. You're smart people. Tell me the pattern here. Um, verse 17, he says, this, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. That's that the Jewish Bible stuff. Don't think that I came to destroy that. I didn't come to destroy that. He goes, I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. I would say it a different way. Let me paraphrase him. I didn't come to take away from it. I came to add to it. I'm building on it. For surely, as I say to you, and this is Jesus talking, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law until it's all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called the great. He'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All right. So Jesus had this theme of kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. And then he says, this, for I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is what he was saying, because you see, like, in the rest of the book of Matthew, he's tearing down. Um, he, he attacks very harshly the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, so what is he saying here? It's like, it, unless you're really like they pretend to be, if you're as holy, if you're not as holy as they pretend to be, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And basically what he was saying this, he was leveling the, the playing ground, and he was saying, none of us on our own, just keeping the rules and the laws of, of religion, can, can earn heaven, all right? So we're all screwed in this, okay? That's what Jesus was really saying here, okay? Then he goes this, and this is the pattern that I want you to pick up. Verse 21, he says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, <laughs> so notice he used the word old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be endangered of judgment, right? Everybody agree with that? He goes, so you've heard that before, right? Everybody there? Cool? Everybody on the same page? But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of that same judgment. Whoa, 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 what? So Jesus is like, hey, that, you've heard it said, old, thou shalt not murder. Good on you, you didn't kill anybody today. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to add on to it, that if you hate your brother without a cause, come on, aren't we all, <laughs> aren't we all criminals of that crime, Right? Aren't we all? You ever just not meet someone and just not like them? Maybe you're watching me for the first time and you just automatically don't like me um, for your white jacket that you're wearing before Labor Day, trying to get it out the way, right? Maybe, maybe that's your reason. That, that Jesus says this, if you hate someone with no cause, you basically are equivalent to a murderer. Why? And then he, he adds it on and goes, therefore, um, if you bring your gift to the altar 
And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. So Old Testament was like, hey, it's all about offering your sacrifice, bringing in your worship, bringing into God. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Hey, our worship is interfered by our relationship with our fellow brother. You, you interfere with your own worship if you have static between you and your brother. He's adding on to something. This is what he says, verse 27 again. You've heard it said. <laughs> See the pattern? You've heard it said um, to those of old that you shall not commit adultery. Everybody agree with that? All right? Don't cheat on your spouse. Okay? So not commit but then he says this. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. All right? You've heard it said don't commit adultery. You've heard it said don't commit murder. I'm going to put something on it. Jesus is going to put something on it. And he's going to continue to put something on it. Going together, verse 33. And he says, again, you have heard it said to those of old. You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstools, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the, is the city of the great king. All right. So he's saying this. Let your yes be yes. And your no be no, but whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So he said, you said, hey, make sure that when you swear, you don't falsely swear. Don't lie. But I'm telling you this, like, yo, don't, don't, don't promise anyone anything, all right? Just be a person of integrity and person of your word. I'm going to put something on it. Again, verse 38, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, two for a two. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, Turn to, the, turn to him also. Turn to him the other also, okay? Again, he's like, hey, make it even. Make, make it just, all right? Justice makes things even. But Jesus is like, I want you to go the extra mile here and not only just, just make it even, but, but tilt the scale towards that other person, all right? You've, that's what the old said. I'm introducing a new era. Last one. I don't want to kill this, but you get what I'm saying. For, verse 43 says, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the old era said. But here's the new era Jesus was trying to introduce. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Oh, you want to talk about not just a new era, but a whole new level of living. Jesus introduced a whole new level of living. All right. And so these guys, they wanted to hold on to the new because to be quite honest with you, the old was easier than the new. Eye for an eye. I could do that. There's a song right now um, that's out there. It's like, you know, test Jesus. You can try Jesus, but don't try me because I got hands. All right. And so I like that. I like that. But 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 to, if someone smacks you on your cheek to offer them the other one. Oh, that's a whole new era, Jesus. And you know what? That new era that he was trying to introduce to them was, for some of them, was the reason why they rejected Jesus. Because they were so protective of the old that the new seemed like a threat. Y'all getting this? That the new seemed like a threat. And so in this, we're, we're going to try to understand the qualities of God, um, because I don't want to, I don't, I'm not preaching heresy here, that we could experience God in new ways, um, but, we, it, but I believe that our new ways come from understanding the original character of God. Let me read a couple more verses to you. Ready? In Malachi, 
right? It says this. This is God talking. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Everybody agree with that? Right? For I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews in the New Testament 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I get it. God is, here's a big word for you this morning. God is immutable. He doesn't change. He is immutable. And you're right. So write this down. God doesn't change, but I need to change. God is immutable, but I need to be mutable. <laughs> In other words, some of y'all need to shut up, right? No, I'm kidding. But, but we need to change, right? That, the word mute, mutable, like it comes from the word mutate, like mutation changes, right? Where are my comic book nerds at? Right? We're, not, we're, we're, we're supposed to be mutants. We, we change. We, we evolve. We progress. God doesn't change. He stays the same. But we need to change. In fact, when I was just in Maryland, we were driving by uh, MGM casinos on, on the harbor, and um, my friend's little daughter, Lily, she looked at this building, and the building on one angle kind of just looked like a big flat wall, no dimensions to it. Um, it was quite fascinating, the architecture of it. And she goes, Dad, that's not a building, that's just a big wall. And he said, no, honey, that's a building. And it took us about a mile to drive past the building to see that building from a different angle and to realize that it wasn't just a wall, that it was actually a three-dimensional huge facility, okay? Why am I saying that? It's because God is a big God. And so those good old days, we just saw the wall. But I'm here to tell you that if we, as we move down the mile of life, we should get a new angle. The building didn't change. Our perspective of the building changed. And I think our perspective of God needs to change. And we need to understand that we cannot have this arrival mentality when it comes to us. Okay? We, God doesn't have a beginning or the end. But we do. We have a progression. And in fact, our, our, our faith teaches us that the Holy Spirit makes us better every single day. That I should be better than the person that I was yesterday. And so I have this grace in my life that when I fall, I get back up. And I could do tomorrow better than I did today. We have this progressive nature to us that we're continually trying to be formed into his likeness, okay? So he doesn't change, but daggone it, we need to change. We need to shift, you know? I remember um, in, in some of those powerful moments in, in, in church services where you kind of felt like there was a shift in the atmosphere. Have you ever heard this expression? A shift in the atmosphere. And kind of looking back, I realized that it really wasn't a shift in the atmosphere. Nothing really happened uh, in, in regards to the environment. I believe that it was the shift in people in the room that shifted the atmosphere, okay? That there was a shift in perspective. There was a shift in their hunger for God. There was a shift in their awareness of God, all right? Look to the person next to you say, get your shift together to shift your perspective on who God is because there's more to see when it comes to this big God. Just like that building, if we shift it, we could see that it's not just one-dimensional. We don't serve a two-dimensional God. We, we don't serve, shoot, we don't even serve a three-dimensional God. He is a multi-dimensional God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is eternal. He is everlasting. We can't fathom the, the perspective of God. And so because of this, what we do is because we only have one perspective of God. What do we do? We worship moments. Please get this, y'all. We worship moments rather than worshiping God. 
We worship them. Oh, remember that revival back then? Remember that service? Remember that message? And those things were great. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, those places were great, but there are times we worship the moment, not the God of that moment. We see this in Numbers chapter 20. You know, there was a time where Moses, he was supposed to lead uh, the Israelites into freedom from slavery of Egypt. And, and, and as he's wandering through the wilderness to not get them to this place called the promised land, God continued to, needed to provide them water for them to stay alive. And there was this one part where God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to strike the rock. And then water will come gushing out of it. And that's how I'm going to serve and provide for my people. So he did that. And then in Numbers 20, God says, okay, now I want you to speak to the rock. And you know what Moses did? Moses struck the rock because that's what God asked him to do in the past. But God's saying, hey, I'm giving you a new commandment right now. I'm giving you a new commission right now, a new mission, a new, new set of instructions. And he missed out. And because of this, because of this, Moses was not allowed to go to the promised land. Why? Because I believe that he was worshiping the moment and not worshiping God in that moment. And that's what we do. We get caught up in these moments. And, and I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, but let's, let's make a declaration that, yes, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he is bigger than my experiences of him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he is bigger than my experiences of him. Can I get an amen in the chat right now? All right, here's a couple more verses for you. So remember the first point is he's immutable. God doesn't change, but I need to change, okay? Second one comes from, from, from this verse. Isaiah 55 says this. This is God talking to his people. He goes, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Again, this is God talking says the Lord, for as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here's the second point, big word here, but I need you to follow us. He's omniscient, God's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, all right? So the first one is like, he's immutable, he doesn't change. This one, he's all-knowing. So write this down, God knows everything about me, but I don't know everything about God. God knows everything about me, but I don't know everything about God. So <laughs> the big thing with pastors we challenge each other on is something called sound teaching. Right? Everybody wants, they're so protective of, they don't want people to come up here and talk out their neck and give us a bunch of baloney. Give me the sound teaching or sound doctrine even. And when I say the word doctrine, doctrine is, is defined as this. It's teaching from, good sound doctrine or sound teaching is teaching from God about God that leads us to the glory of God. That's what sound teaching is. I could give you a bigger, deeper definition, um, but I want this to be so general and so memorable that you walk away knowing what sound teaching is. Sound teaching is, is the teachings from God about God that leads us to the glory of God, okay? So what is false teaching, okay? So the Bible warns us about false teaching, but false teaching is teaching from man, come on, about man, that leads us to the glory of man. That is the difference. One is about man, the other one is about God, okay? So if you wanna really understand what's the measuring tape of what's sound teaching and what's false teaching, that's what it is. That good teaching is, is the message of the teachings by God, about God, that leads us to the glory of God, okay? So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because 
What we do is like, we, we try to get to the place where we want sound teaching. We want to get somewhere. We have what I would call a rival theology. Okay? I know scripture. Scripture says this, and there's a lot of people that just know it, know it, know it, know it, know it. But what's the point of knowing scripture if we don't know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, folks, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. However, he is a big God. All right? I'm declaring it. Jesus is God. He's a big God. So he knows everything about me, but I cannot declare myself an expert on Jesus. I will never be an expert on Jesus. All right. Back in the day, I used to write a lot of songs. In fact, put out a couple worship albums. And uh, but on the side, we would write some secular stuff just to get our, the word out there. And I wrote this love song uh, about a girlfriend that I was going out with. Sorry, baby. It's not about you. But um, she was very complex. Um, can I say she was a little cray? Um, but I wrote the song and the chorus went like this. It goes, to know you is to know that I don't know you. Because that's how complex she was. She was a moving target. To know you, it's to know I don't know you. And I think that actually can, can apply to Jesus. To really know Jesus and to come with him with humility and worship and reverence is actually declare that I don't know everything about Jesus. And to my dying day, to my last breath, I'm going to dedicate myself to knowing him more than I did yesterday. Okay? So we, we reject um, sometimes new, new knowledge, even if it's still from God, not, not from man, but from knowledge. We reject it because we want to get to this arrival theology, right? We want to get to this place where it's like we, we're in control of the information, if I'm honest. That's what it is. We're in control of the information. And, and I've heard people say, I have a hard time trusting God. I have a hard time trusting God with something that I can't control, have you ever said that? I know I've said that. I have a hard time trusting God because there are things that I can't control. Well, think about who God is in that statement. Is God really God in that statement? Or are you God in that statement? Because you can't trust God because you can't control it? No, you should, you, you, we tr the only way to grow in our trust in God is that God controls it. But that's just human nature. We want to control everything. We want to even control if we can't control a thing, we want to control information. We want to control knowledge. We want to get to a place where, ah, I've arrived. I don't need to learn anymore. I can get comfortable with this information, and I can just stay right here. But we can't stay right there. Why? Because there's more to learn, because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are high above our ways, as far as the heavens are above the earth. That is the difference between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of man. So we will never, ever, ever arrive and knowing completely who he is until we're in heaven. And in my Bible, it actually says that God is love. And I know we read this verse all the time in, in, in weddings, but watch this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, starting at verse 1. It says, this, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, so you speak a heavenly language, um, but have not loved, I have become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, right? I, I, could, I could talk about all the words of God and, and understand all mysteries. And watch this, all knowledge. I, I know my stuff, man. If, if I could do all that, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, all right? So I have this level of spirituality that I could actually like do things and participate with the miracles of God so that I could remove mountains. But have not love, I am nothing, the author of Corinthians says. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods 
to feed the poor. I'm all about social justice right now, and I give myself to the poor, and, 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 and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. First John 4 says it to the best, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and watch this, and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So why am I saying all this? We could have a level of spirituality that makes us look mature, a level of spirituality that makes us, we could speak in tongues and we could prophesy and we could do this and we could lead worship well and we could preach well, and we could do all that stuff well. And we could feel like we have arrived to some level of knowledge. But guess what? Here's the, uh, here's the awakening point here. Here's the wake up call. If I don't love, if I'm not growing in love, which remember, love is God, okay? Love is God. And some, here's what I believe, that as we grow in, in our understanding of life, and, and, and I'm not saying that you don't know things. I'm not saying to be so open-minded that your brain falls out, but, but to be open-minded enough to know that, like, hey, maybe, maybe we haven't, as human beings, have developed the language that's necessary to explain certain things. We're so binary sometimes, especially now in our modern day politics, you're either on this side or you're either on that side. How about we just chalk it up to saying this, like at the end of the day, I don't care what side I'm on. Jesus said, I need to love both sides. And so I'm going to love both sides and I'm going to learn from both sides and I'm going to listen to both sides because I haven't arrived yet. And I'm not saying to be a punk or a pushover or not to stand up for things, but let's stand up for love and not our knowledge. Come on. Let's stand up for love because God knows everything about me. But I don't know everything about God. So I can never allow myself to be a critic. And here's the deal. Critics never write the future. Critics never write the future. And so before you're critical in your arrival theology, think of it this way, that if we're going to follow where God is leading us, we can't be a critic. We must be a student. Last one I'm going to hit you up with today. Hopefully you get a lot from this verse. Acts 17 uh, chapter 27 and 29. The God who made the world and everything in it, this master of the sky and land, doesn't live in custom-made shrines or needs the human race to run errands for him. <laughs> I love that. As if he couldn't take care of it himself. He makes creatures. The creatures don't make him. I love that. You talk about enshrining moments, you know? He's like, he doesn't need a shrine. He doesn't need anything like that. He says, starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. <laughs> he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. If you read any regular transversion, it's like we, we, we live life. In him we live and move, is what other translation says. We can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculpture to chisel out God, out of stone for us, does it. In him, we live and move. Last one, 
when we talk about the characteristic of God today, is that he's omnipresent, which is a fancy way of saying that he's everywhere at all times. So I would actually say it this way, what applies to us today, that we said first that, that God, God doesn't change, but we need to change. Secondly, we said that, that God knows everything about us, but we don't know everything about him. And the final point I want to bring this morning is that God is moving, but sometimes we get stuck. God is always moving, but sometimes we get stuck. Can I just ask you heart to heart, person to person, human to human right now, do you feel stuck right now in your growth? And I don't want you to feel shame or condemnation. We've, I've done it. I can't even count how many times I felt stuck in my growth. We all feel stuck. And sometimes we've, we're stuck in one moment, in one place. Because again, we, we, we've enshrined that moment and we, we, we chisel something out in honor of God, but instead we started, instead of honoring God, instead of worshiping the creator, we're, we're worshiping the created. And we're stuck in this moment. And I think for many of us, we're stuck not because God didn't make a way, but because we're not seeing the new way that he's laying out. And so again, just like we started this morning saying, I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. And he's moving. And I want you to get unstuck. And I think that the way that we get unstuck is to start training our eyes to open up to see the new angle of God, the new angle of the same God. Yes, he is the same yesterday and today forever. But let us lean in more into who he is so that we can experience more of who he is. And maybe he wants to show us something new and fresh. And he's not destroying the old, just like he said before. You heard it one way, and I'm not taking away from that. I'm building on it. I'm building on it. We want to grow. We want more of God. You could get unstuck today by just praying this prayer of God, open up my eyes to the new things you want to do. And in that prayer, could you also say, hey, you know what, God, I'm going to stop protecting the old because I'm seeing the new as a threat. And I don't want to miss out on what you're doing. I want, I want to follow you wherever you move. I want to move. I want to abide in you. I, want, I, I don't want to be nothing. There's other parts of the Bible that talks about nothing, that apart from him, we can do nothing. Without love, we are nothing. I don't want to be nothing and stuck. I, I want to try. I want to, I want to live this adventure and be something with God, something more than we've experienced. So that's what this new era is about. And so if this is your first time watching today, I want to invite you on this journey that we're all taking. This is day one for all of us, but I invite you into this journey. But the first way to get on this journey is to first know that I want to accept this new way of living called the Jesus way. In fact, us Christians weren't even called Christians until later on. We were called people of the way right after Jesus rose from the dead. And so let's, let's live this new way. So if you want to live this new way, if you realize, you know what, man, I do need a change. And man, I don't know everything. And man, I, I do feel stuck. But you want to be unstuck? I want to pray for you right now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I receive you into my life. You are Lord. You are God. And I don't know you as much as I want to know you. But I want to join in 
with this church family on getting to know you more and to experience new things, a new era, new levels, see new heights in what life has in store for us. So I receive you as my Lord. I believe that you died on the cross, that you lived a great, this perfect life, and that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day to give me that freedom to live the best life I could possibly live. And I offer my whole entire life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for this morning and uh, hope, hope you enjoyed today. And uh, we're going to dive in more. So come back next week.